Good morning, everybody. It's great to be here. I'm Pastor Brian Dwyer. I want to say hello to all of you here and all of you watching us online this morning. Uh, and, and I just want to say a special welcome to those of you who are new to the area, new to Alpine. Um, we know that, that this summer there's a lot of folks that are going to be coming in and out. I know we're saying goodbye to a lot of great friends and families who've been here for a while because of the military, and we're probably going to be saying hello to a lot of folks that are new as well. So we want to say hello. If we haven't met you, uh, I'm Pastor Brian, Pastor John. We'd love to meet you after the service. John's wife, Valerie, would love to meet you as well. We'd love to get you connected here. Alpine's been around for over 20 years, and one thing we've learned with our military folks is that, that when you come into town, you want to get plugged in. And you want to get plugged in right away, right? That's how I would want to be if I was in the military. Thank you for serving our country, by the way. And so we want to help you get plugged in. In fact, we're going to be starting a, a, a kind of a summer small group, just especially for, for those of you who are new to Alpine. We imagine a lot of you will be military folks. So um, if you want more information on that, you can use your welcome card or the digital welcome card to request that information. You'll get some more information here as we get that started. And this is, by the way, a perfect time. If you, if you are new to Alpine, or if you've been coming for a long time to Alpine, this is kind of our reset button this summer. We've been praying about this for some time now. We wanted to hit reset and go through a series that we call The Pursuit. The Pursuit is our 12-week discipleship track uh, that, we, that we wrote a few years ago that goes over the essentials of Christianity. What is biblical Christianity all about? If there are 12 lessons that I want to bring my kids through, my, I have two children, 21-year-old daughter, 19-year-old son. If there are 12 lessons I want to bring my kids through, these are the 12 lessons. The 12, the 12 things I want to make sure that they understand that the Bible tells them about pursuing the God of the Bible. And so it's not just for my kids. In fact, I'm going to take my 19-year-old son through this again. I, I disciple him and a couple of his buddies every Tuesday night. And we're going, to, we're going to do this series again because a couple of his buddies haven't ever done it. So we're going to go through this series together. It's a great refresher. It's a great reminder. I want to encourage families that are here. I see a lot of families in here right now. I want to encourage families to go through this. You can find the discussion questions that go along with every sermon at pursuegod.org forward slash go. And moms and dads, I want to encourage you, say, this summer, we're going to go through the pursuit together. In our second service today, we're, we're, going, to get, we're going to see a 10-year-old get baptized. I love baptisms here at Alpine. And it's going to be so cool to see that. And the reason she's getting baptized is because her mom and her dad have discipled her, have led her to a place of trusting in Jesus for salvation, and, and then the next thing is you get baptized. We're going to be talking about that in the pursuit. We're going to talk about what is sin, who is Jesus. We're going to talk about baptism and how that plays into all of this. So I'm excited. I'm glad you're here, and I'm excited to get started with you in the pursuit. So let's jump in. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, just kind of keep it on the ready, because we're going to go through a lot of scripture. And again, if you're one of those folks that likes to take notes, um, I encourage you to go ahead and take notes, but all of this can be found online at pursuegod.org forward slash go. And I want to start with just a real kind of a warm-up question. I want, you to, I want you to put yourself somewhere on this continuum. Where would you place yourself on this continuum when we're talking about being far from God or, or feeling close to God? Where would you put yourself 
Some of you might be here today and you say, I feel really close to God. I love Jesus. I read my Bible every day. I, I serve in kids' church. In fact, you heard Pastor John's announcement about a need for people to serve, and you're like, I'm going to serve in kids' church. So yes, I would put you close to God if that's you. That's supposed to be a little bit funny. You could laugh at that. Everybody could just loosen up a little bit, all right? That's, you know, serving in kids' church doesn't necessarily make you close to God, but, but it would be helpful maybe if you thought it did. Serve in kids' church, right? God will love you for it. Or maybe you would say, no, I, I would put myself down in sort of the bottom left. I, I kind of feel far from God for one reason or another. Maybe something you've done in your life. Maybe, maybe some decisions you've made recently. Or maybe some decisions you made a long time ago. Or, or maybe because of something you learned growing up or a church you went to. Or you've got this, you've got this picture of God where you, f- you feel like you're not close to him. Now, now, maybe it's not even your fault. Maybe you just feel like God's not close to you. That God doesn't care about you. Maybe your picture of God is that he's this far away, distant, sort of cosmic personage who really doesn't want anything to do with you. And maybe that's, maybe that's what you're still trying to understand. You're trying to figure out who is God, what is he like? Does he, does he even want a relationship with me? You know, we're talking about pursuing God. And, and maybe you might be here today saying, I don't, even, I don't even know if God wants me to pursue him. When I think of the word pursue, I think of, of years ago when I was pursuing Tracy, who's now my wife, and pursuing her. When I think of that word, that's what I think about. I think about a guy pursuing a girl, or, or, or I think about Drew Holland, who got married yesterday. He's from this campus, military guy from Florida. He walked into this, this building a couple years ago, tall, good-looking, loves Jesus, and every father of a marriable daughter turned their head and looked at him. And so all of those dads pursued him <laughs> for their daughters. And one of them, one of them won. And they, we had the wedding yesterday and it was awesome. And just to see the love that they have for each other and, and that he, that Drew pursued Katie and, and Katie in turn pursued him. And as they pursued God together, they, they grew in love for one another. And last night the wedding was pretty amazing as they just, as they both wept through the ceremony, it was so hard to, <clears throat> to perform because I'm, I'm kind of an emotional guy myself. And I was like, Drew, you got to hold it together, dude. Because I wanted to hold it together. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. But maybe that's what you think about when you think about pursuit. You, you think about a, a beautiful relationship between a man and a woman, the way things ought to be. And you're, and you're thinking, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't view God that way. I don't think God is interested in pursuing me. And I, and I don't know if I'm interested in pursuing him. And if that's you, I just, if you're far, if you feel far from God today, I want to encourage you that this series is for you because one of the things we're going to be doing today and in, in week three is we're going to talk about God's heart toward us. We want to paint a proper picture of the God of the Bible. And I want to make sure that you understand who God really is. And that's our first point for today. I want you to know that God is for you, not against you. In fact, Jesus didn't avoid the broken and the lost. He sought them out. You can read about the works of Jesus in the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. One of my favorite stories around this is 
It comes in Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 2. It says that a man with leprosy approached Jesus and knelt before him. He said, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And Jesus reached out and touched him, and he said, I am willing, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. There's a couple of things you need to know about leprosy back then. A leper was, was, I think we can understand and appreciate this because we've all been through COVID, right? A leper was someone who didn't just have to wear a mask or two masks, you know. A leper wasn't just like my wife when COVID first hit, and she would, she would wear a hoodie and a mask and gloves to go into Costco, and it was hilarious to watch her. I walked behind her and filmed her as she did this because I wanted to embarrass her today. That was mainly why I did it. And she, she makes fun of herself for this now. She, she, she's like, I don't know. She was just so fearful. Maybe some of you were like that as well. We didn't know what we were dealing with. But a leper is someone who had to live like that every single day for his or her entire life. Could you imagine that? In fact, a leper in Jewish society 2,000 years ago, if you were a leper, you lived in a leper colony. In other words, just with a bunch of people. You were quarantined away from everyone else. And if anyone were to approach you, you actually, by law, you had to, sit, you had to call out unclean unclean. Could you imagine that? What that must have felt like? Unclean. Don't, don't come any closer. I'm unclean. Could you imagine how you might think about yourself over time if you had to interact with people like that? You can't come any closer than that. Please stop. You can't come any closer because I'm unclean. You would feel like a pariah. You would feel like an outcast, like a reject for your whole life. And so here Jesus is. Now let's look at this passage again. And this guy with leprosy approached Jesus, which you weren't supposed to do. So number one, he's doing something that he's not supposed to do, but you could see how desperate he was. And he kneels before him. He says, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me. I see two things there. I can see that, first of all, the leper knew one thing for sure, and the second thing he wasn't sure about. The thing he was sure about is that Jesus had power. But what he wasn't sure about is if he had a heart. He said, I know you can heal me. I know you can make me clean. I just don't know if you're willing. I don't know if you want to. I don't know your heart toward me. I don't know your heart toward people, but I know your power. I've heard about your power. I've heard about the things you've done. He'd already heard about all the miracles that Jesus had performed. But he said, I don't know. I don't know if that extends to lepers. I don't know. Maybe there's a line where, oh, I can't, Jesus can't go that far, right? He can help blind people and he can help lame people. But oh, wait, whoa, you're a leper. Sorry, you're outside of my reach. Maybe some of you are here today saying, that's how I feel. I know he can help this person and that person. and the, He can help a 10-year-old girl. She's getting baptized. But he can't help someone like me. It's easier for some people to believe that God is powerful than to believe that he is good. But see, this story tells us that he's both. It says, Jesus reached out and touched him. And I love these words. I'm willing, he said. I'm willing. Be healed. And he healed him instantly. Now, one more thing I have to say about this before we move on. Jesus didn't have to touch the guy. 
There's so many times Jesus performed miracles. He didn't go into the tomb and grab Lazarus when Lazarus was dead and raise him from the. He just called to him, come out, be, be healed. And he raises a dead man with his words. God created the universe with a word. Jesus could have healed, there's no question, he could have healed the leper with a word, but he didn't. He touched him. And then he said, be healed. That, that leper probably hadn't been touched by another human being in decades. Could you imagine how that felt? This shows the heart of God for his people. He cares about you. You matter to him. He's, not, he's for you. He's not against you. He doesn't want to avoid you. He's not saying, whoa, hey, hey stop, stop. No, he's saying, come. He's inviting us, every one of us, no matter what you've done, I promise. No matter what you've done, God already knows. And he still invites you to have a relationship with him. In fact, there's really only one kind of person that Jesus can't help. There's only one kind of person that Jesus can't have a relationship with. And this next verse tells us who it is. Mark chapter two, verse 17, he says, I've come to call those, not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. The only person, this is the irony of religion, the only person that Jesus can't help is the self-righteous person. The only person that, that he can't heal, the only person that he can't save is the person who says, I don't need saving. That's the only one. So, so ironically, it's, it's the people maybe who place themselves on the far right side of that spectrum and say, I feel very, very close to God. Those, some of those people are ironically the ones that might be in danger of not having a relationship with him if they're self-righteous about it. There are many people who are like that. Many people in Jesus' day were like that, but Jesus was a friend to sinners, and he sought out the broken and the lost, and they were made whole, and they were found, and they were healed, and they were saved. Here's the second thing you need to know. Jesus wants to give us life to the full. This is, this is his phrase. I'll show you where it comes from in just a second. And a pursuit of God can change everything for us from our eternity, what's gonna happen to us when we die, to our everyday life. Here's a verse of one of my favorite, this is kind of a theme verse for this entire series. It comes from John 10, 10. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He's talking about Satan. He said, this is Satan's goal. This is Satan's desire. And by the way, Satan is alive and well in, in our culture today. He is getting after it today. And he is trying to confuse us and he's trying to confuse our kids. He's trying to, he's trying to steal from us. He's trying to kill us. He's trying to destroy us. But he's not gonna say it like that. He's gonna couch it in other language. And he's gonna get us confused about what reality and what truth is. And he is on the prowl today. Jesus says, I have come so that people may have life and have it to the full. Jesus wants us to have full life. A pursuit of God can change everything for us. He wants us to have full life. Now, for this series and here at Alpine Church, we have a picture for this full life, and we call it being a full circle follower of Jesus. 
And this is what it looks like. It involves three things. If you were to ask my son or my daughter, hey, what does it mean to be a Christian? They would tell you this. Young people, I want you to hear this. This is a great way to understand what Christianity is all about. It's about these three things. It's about trusting Jesus for salvation. It's about honoring God with your life and your lifestyle and your choices and your actions and your habits. And then it's about helping other people and making disciples. That's actually the the framework for this entire series that we're gonna be going through all summer long. We're gonna be talking about these three things. And so let's real quickly break it down. This will be a little bit of a preview of where we're going throughout the summer. First of all, we start by trusting Jesus. Paul says it like this in Romans 3.22, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is true for anyone who believes no matter who we are. There are some religions that teach that the way to be saved is by trusting in Jesus for some of it and then doing your own works for the rest of it. I'm here to tell you that's not what the Bible teaches. Some of you have the shirts on. I love it, These, the red shirts. Jesus plus nothing. Jesus plus nothing. That is the biblical gospel. That's what, that's what this means, is that we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus. Let's do a little bit of a grammar lesson here. Punctuation. What, what's, what's the punctuation that comes after that? It's a period. It's not a semicolon. It's not a dash. It's a period. We're saved by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, that's it. If you've never done that, we're gonna do that in this series. We're gonna do that over the next few weeks, so I encourage you to keep coming back because if you've never done that, we're gonna give you the privilege of trusting Jesus for salvation. In fact, you don't have to wait for week six in the series. You can come up today after service if you wanna talk with Pastor John or myself. We'd love to lead you into that kind of a relationship with Jesus. And I love the second part of this verse. It talks about who this, who this applies to, right? Is there a line where oh, lepers are beyond the line, they're on the other side? No, he says, this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are or what you've done, it's true for everyone who believes. You are, there's no one who is too far gone. There's no one who is out of the reach of Jesus' grace. That's the first thing. We start a relationship with God by trusting Jesus. And then here's what happens, and this is the second arrow in the circle, is then we become new people, and we want to live to honor God from this day forward. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, the new life has begun. That's actually what the symbol of baptism is all about. Hannah is going to go down in the water, she's going to be dunked in the water, and then she's going to be Her dad's going to baptize her, and then she's going to be brought up out of the water. Romans 6 says that's a picture of of dying to our old way of living and being raised to a new way of living. It's a beautiful symbol of what has happened in a person's life when they've trusted Jesus for salvation. And then what happens is over time, over time you begin to live out this new life So that first thing happens instantly. You trust Jesus and you're instantly saved. You're instantly called a child, a son or daughter of God. But the second arrow happens over time. The second arrow is where that that the Holy Spirit who's living in us, the Holy Spirit works out of us over time. And over time, he begins to change us from the inside out with our participation. And we're gonna be talking about that in weeks seven, eight, and nine in the series. 
The first thing we'll talk about in weeks four, five, and six. And then seven, eight, and nine for honoring God. And then we're going to finish the series by talking about this third part of the circle, and it's all about making disciples. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And when he said that, he wasn't just commanding his 11 disciples. He was actually telling all of us, any of us who are followers of Jesus. In, in, our, in our view as a pastoral team at Alpine Church, this last part of the full circle picture of being a Christian is the part that most Christians in America are missing. And we're determined not to produce Christians who miss this. We wanna make sure as a church that we are producing Christians who go all the way around the circle, who actually make disciples. That's what our church is all about. And we're gonna talk a little bit about that in the last couple of weeks of this series this summer. And, and then actually at the end of the summer, we're gonna have a little, a little disciple maker training a Saturday morning training opportunity for everyone at all of our campuses so that you can get trained and you can get in the game and become a disciple maker at Alpine Church. We'll talk all about how that happens. But this is the, this is the picture of a, of a full circle follower of Jesus. This is the full life that Jesus envisioned for us. And I'll, I'll just say right now, this is something that I'm committed to. I live this way. This is something my wife is committed to. She lives this way. This is something our 21-year-old daughter who lives on her own now, she's in her own career, she's committed to this, our 19-year-old son is committed to living this way, so I wanna to speak to fathers and mothers and sons and daughters. This is something that you as a family can commit to living by, to living this full life that Jesus wanted you to, wanted you to have, and it's, it's, it has changed our lives, and it has drawn all of us together as a family you know, a family of four, and then it's the thing that draws us together as a church, the church family, to just be on mission together. This is what Jesus envisions for us. And so we're gonna be talking about this this entire summer. I hope you keep coming back. But I've got one more thing for today as we finish up this sermon. The truth is that God wants to be found by you, and he has made the first move. The next step is up to you. I love this passage. It might seem a little creepy for some of you if you're new to this, but Psalm 139, David wrote this. He said to God, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. David penned this at, toward the end of his life, but if you know anything about the story of David, David had all kinds of ups and downs in his life. If you think you've had ups and downs, David had more, I promise you. David had more. He's the, he's the kid who famously slayed the giant Goliath, but that was just the beginning of his story. The rest of his story, it got crazy. He ended up becoming a king. His son tried to kick him off his throne and usurp his throne and his authority. He lost his best friend. He lost children. David had a crazy life, and I'm sure there were times in David's life in fact, we can see it in the Psalms because he wrote a lot of the Psalms where he's like, God, where are you? I don't get it. David is a lot like my son, AJ. He's like this. He's just up and down. Some of you might relate to that. My daughter's like this. Hey, scale of one to 10, how was your day? Five, every single day, five. That was Kenzie. AJ, how's your day? 10, one, 10, one. That's AJ. This is David. David was, read the Psalms. He's like, God, where'd you go? You abandoned me. I thought you loved me. And then the next psalm, he's like, God, you're the best. I love you so much. You're great. 
This is David's life. And if you can relate to that, maybe you're like, yeah, I can relate to it because at the high times, you're like, God, you're here, I love you. And at the low times, you're like, where'd you go? And what David has learned here is he said, every moment of my life was laid out. The old man David, in in his wisdom, is finally recognizing that God was there all along, that God didn't stop pursuing him, that God never left him, that God never forsook him. This is what David learned in his life. And I want you to know that that's true for you as well. If you stopped pursuing God, I want you to hear this. God won't stop pursuing you. Some of you might be here saying, I'm done. I'm done. Some of you might be watching online saying, I'm done. I've tried it and I'm, and I'm done. Look, you can give up on God, but thank God he won't give up on you. He's not going to give up on you. He, before you ever even thought about pursuing him, he was pursuing you. That's what David learned. If you're here today, you're here for a reason. It's not by accident. You're here for a reason. God wants a relationship with you. I want to end with this one last verse, Jeremiah 29, verse 13. This is a promise that God made through the prophet Jeremiah to the people in Jeremiah's day almost 3,000 years ago. But I believe that this is a promise that he makes to every one of us today. He said, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. If you seek me with your whole heart, you'll find me. That just means just put away your preconceived notions and say, God, all right, I'll take you up on this. I want to seek you, and I want to find you. God is not playing hide-and-seek with you. I know for some of you, you feel like religion is complicated, church is intimidating, God seems so distant, but I want you to know this. If you would seek God, he will make himself known to you. He's not playing hide-and-seek. So I pray that you'd continue to come. I pray that you'd go to the resources at pursuegod.org forward slash go and, and, and go through this. If you're here with your, with your uh, kids, parents, if you're here with seven, eight-year-olds, 18-year-olds, I encourage you to go th- say, this summer, let's go through this series together. Let's do this. Come listen to a sermon every week and then go home, beat the Baptists out to Chili's and pull your phones out and go through those discussion questions and, and actually talk about what you're learning from week to week. And if you pursue the God of the Bible, then he will find you and you'll find him. Let's pray together. Lord, I praise you that your promise never comes up empty, that your promise is stronger than than our weaknesses, it's stronger than our inabilities. I pray for the people who are here today who feel so far from you, the people who have felt like that leper. They've felt rejected. they felt like maybe they're on the other side of the line, the wrong side of the line. And that you can't reach past that line to save them or to help them. But Lord, I pray that today they would recognize that that's not true. That you reached out and you touched the leper. Because you're not just powerful, but you're good. I pray that we would know your heart for us. I pray for the person here today who feels unreachable and untouchable. God, I pray that you would communicate to them your heart for them. And Jesus, today, 
we take you up on your promise and we ask to be found by you even as we pursue you with our whole hearts. Thank you, Lord God, that you are a good God. We worship you today in Jesus' name. Amen.